So we are living in a fast-paced, overstimulated, distracted age, right? Uh, This last month, the statistics came out for social media usage for Americans. This is the average American spends two hours and 24 minutes a day on social media. The average American checks their mobile phone 159 times a day. That's a lot of checking. And then on top of that, that Americans spend 36% more time watching TV than even on social media. So, so we're constantly clicking, tapping, scrolling, searching, watching, binging, uploading, downloading all the time. There's a philosopher, Alistair McIntyre, He says this, he says, I can only answer the question, what am I to do if I can answer the question, what story or stories do I find myself a part? And and what's ironic to me is that most of us spend so much of our time tinkering around with everybody else's stories that we rarely have time to engage our own stories our own lives, to make sense of what am I supposed to do based on what story am I part of. Oftentimes, we take more stock of influencers' lives and daily habits than our own. And when it comes time to ponder our own life, most of us just don't have much time, or at least we don't take it. So open your Bibles this morning if you have one. I'll put the verses up on the screen. Also, I keep forgetting to say this. There are Bibles that are back there as well in the back uh, giving, giving stand back there. You can use one of those as well if you don't have a Bible. But open your Bibles to Luke chapter two. So I know that tomorrow is New Year's Day. And with New Year's Day comes all sorts of, um, well, obviously parties and celebrations, but also with it comes talk of New Year, New Year's resolutions, new habits, new desires, new dreams, new goals. Um, But before we hop back into life, work, school, all the, the hurry sick routines that we often have, life steam ahead, full steam ahead, uh, today I wanna do Uh, something that's a little bit out of the ordinary for what we usually do on Sunday mornings. This is not going to be your normal sermon, uh, but my my pastoral gift to you today is going to be some forced reflection. And I did this two years ago, and I did this last year. Uh, I got good feedback from it, so I'm going to do it again for a third year and force us uh, to do a little bit of of, uh, self-reflection. Uh, As I age, I am more and more convinced that the majority of the spiritual journey has to do with the little things, the seemingly unimportant things, the stuff that gets pushed aside, overlooked, the days, the hours, the minutes of our lives. So uh, I'm promising a pretty short little sermonette today. 
uh, with some more engagement time for us to do some reflection. But first, uh, let me lead into this by sharing a little bit of Luke chapter 2. So Luke chapter 2, I want to invite us today to be a little bit more like Mary, the mother of Jesus, or at least to follow her lead. Let me explain what I mean by that. So as those who are part of the Protestant tradition, meaning we're not Catholic, uh, many Protestants don't know quite what to do with Mary. Like we're cool and all with her giving birth to Jesus, but we're not quite sure what else to do with her, lest we worship her or do something weird with Mary, Um, which is a shame because Mary as a person really is a gift to the church. Her life, who she is, how she engaged God really is beautiful. If you ever have read the the Magnificat, her, her song of praise in response to the news of being asked to be the mother of Jesus, uh, really her, her Magnificat is breathtaking poetry. And it's this breathtaking poetic revolution that she prays and sings. Her obedience in the face of fear is staggering. Her strength to follow through on what God called her to do is beyond beautiful. But there's this little verse tucked in the middle of Luke 2 that I think is instructive. So I'm gonna back the story up to Luke 2, verse 10, and I'll just kind of get us up to speed. So this is Luke 2.10. Luke writes, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So as Luke tells us this, for many, this familiar Christmas story, there's all sorts of frenzied activity, right? The angels show up suddenly and unannounced, and then the impromptu choir disappears into the night sky, which causes the shepherds to want to go figure out what's being said, and they go and find Mary and Joseph, and they, they relive all that had happened to them that night. They were excited and jittery, anticipatory of what God may be doing. So the Christmas story is filled with all this wonderful, frenetic activity and action with angels and shepherds and all sorts of things going on, which causes, verse 18, which causes wonder, awe. Like, what is, what is happening? Could it be that God himself is doing a work among us? There's, there's wonder aplenty. 
But then there's this next verse. It's the one I want to focus on. Verse 19, Luke 2, 19. As all of this is happening, angels and shepherds and running and checking out the news and telling all this, as all the activity is happening, verse 19, it says, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So everyone around them there, all of them were experiencing wonder. But only Mary does this thing that Luke describes as treasuring and pondering. Treasuring and pondering. And I think that is worth paying attention to. Treasure and ponder. Everyone may experience the wonder of God's activity, but only Mary in the story treasures and ponders. To keep the wonder... This is my contention. To keep the wonder, we must treasure and ponder. To spiritually grow, we must treasure and ponder. To stay in step with God, we must treasure and ponder. To to not miss out on God's work around us, we must treasure and ponder. Because wonder without taking the time to treasure and ponder, fades away. So I want to describe this treasure and this ponder, and then we're going to do a little bit of it together, okay? First of all, treasure. What is Mary doing? Treasure. It's the Greek word suntereo. It means to preserve, protect, or to defend. So there's an idea of valuing it, treasuring it, but the root idea is that of defense or protection. So treasuring is a protective activity. It's to keep something safe from getting lost. To treasure something, you pull it close, you tuck it away, you keep it from just disappearing. That's why some translations say that Mary kept all these things. She kept them. She preserved them. She treasured them, guarded and safe. I've mentioned this to you in years past, but ever since my kids were little, my father-in-law has kept a, a running Word document on his computer. And from the time my kids were first born, anytime someone shared a funny story, text, Facebook post about something that happened in our home, my father-in-law took the time to type it in and write it down. And so now we go back and read those, and we have this catalog of all these funny stories, and I won't share them because they're private family stories. But here's what happens every time I'm reminded of the stories and the quips and the quotes and the experiences. I always go like, oh, I completely forgot about that. But the only reason why we now have them to read them and laugh at them is because someone took the time to treasure them, to keep them. The the other image that I have... um, Does anyone else remember there's like a game show when I was a kid growing up where the contestant would go into like a phone booth and they would fire the thing up and like there'd be like money that would like fly around in it and the person had like 30 seconds or a minute to grab as many $1 bills, $100 bills as possible and like they're stuffing them in their pockets. That's the picture I have is us going through life the wonder of God around us. Do we take the time to actually grab the wonder 
and, and put it away. Because what happens is life goes on and we get so busy on the next task and the next thing that we miss out. But Mary does this thing where in the midst of this grand story, wondrous story of God's redemptive work in Jesus being born, she took the time to treasure. That's the story of ordinary life for most of us. Life happens all the time. Funny things happen all the time. Actually, I would say wondrous, beautiful, meaningful things happen all around us, and yet oftentimes we're going too fast to notice too fast to treasure. So that's what Mary does. Which leads then to the next term. Not only does she treasure, but she ponders. It's the word sumbalo, which means literally to converse or to have a conversation with. It's how these ideas go really well together. One is the act of grabbing, keeping, preserving, defending. The other is to then engage, to have a conversation with, to talk with. Sorry, our lights are flickering. Save you all from a stroke today, or a seizure today. So this idea is not just that you treasure, but that you are also able then to have a conversation with and engage. Treasuring is about keeping something safe, Pondering is about having a conversation to think about, to talk with, to talk about, to work the ideas deeper into your life and soul. So there's wonder all around us. Who will treasure and who will ponder? Some of you this year have experienced the activity of God. Have you noticed Some of us have experienced the wonder of God, but we haven't kept it safe. Or we haven't had the intentionality to have a conversation with God or ourselves or others about what maybe has been happening around us. Have we, like Mary, taken the time to treasure and ponder? And what happens is these become some of the missing pieces of our spiritual growth. It's the difference between a spiritual experience and our spiritual formation, where God actually uses those things to form us more and more to be like Jesus. So today what we're going to do is I have a series of questions for some treasuring and some pondering. And don't worry, I'm not going to make you come up here and share uh, your personal thoughts, secrets, treasures, and ponders. But I want to give us some time and space. So I've got some questions to spark some thought. And then I'm going to give us three minutes, which I know for some is not enough time. For others, it's going to feel like an eternity if you're not used to being still and thinking. So I invite you, as I'm going to read through these questions, we're going to take about three minutes per question, to either pull out your notes app on your phone. Um, Maybe you would... Maybe you have something, a little notebook. If you want, I have some little reality stamped pieces of paper. They're reality approved pieces of paper. Uh, If you want, again, you're welcome to come up. I got some pens. And so as we go through these, if you want something to write down to capture some of these things, I, I, I invite you to. And I know that may be awkward to have to step up here and grab something, but I hope you feel like you're able to do so.
like our friend here is willing to do. Thanks. Okay. Before I start going through these questions, yeah, come on up if you want some paper and pen. Come on up now. I want to I wanna lay down um, a few reminders for us because I know for some people, when we start doing an activity that requires some thought, some reflection, for some people it turns south and it moves to guilt, shame, regret, anxiety, darkness. Uh, so here are some convictions that I want just to remind us, corporately remind us, before we ask some of these questions. Some of my core convictions that undergird the treasuring and the pondering process. Here they are. Don't forget that God is always with you. Don't forget that God is always loving you. Don't forget that his love is not conditional for you. Don't forget that God is always at work. And don't, please don't forget that God is always able to redeem. Any sin, every evil, nothing is too far from his redemptive hand. I'm going to say those again, because <laughs> sometimes we sit down and think past this, this last year, we're like, man, God is always with you. God is always loving you. God is always at work. God is always able to redeem. Okay, you ready for some questions? First question, when did you feel most alive this year? When did you feel most alive this year? And give us again three minutes. And here's my little, I did this exercise this week, so sorry I, I got ahead of everyone, but I wanted to walk through it myself. Here's what was most helpful for me for this question, is I actually, I pulled out my phone, and I looked through my photos of the last year. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I went on that trip. Oh yeah, I forgot about that part. Oh, I forgot about that. So if you want to, if you need to pull out your phone and go through your, your photos of the last year, but ask the question, when did you feel most alive this year? One of the church fathers, Irenaeus, says the glory of God is man, woman, fully alive. There's, there's something about the glory of God in humanity being alive. So when did you feel most alive this year? And just jot down, maybe it's a, a name or an experience or, an, or a thought, and then I'll shut up and let you guys think.
Okay, next question. When did you feel most loved? When did you feel most loved? The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. So it's really important for us to pay attention when we experience being loved. It's maybe the name, experience, what happened this year that allowed you to feel loved by God, by others. When did you feel most loved? Question number three. What losses do you need to grieve and release? What losses do you need to grieve and release? Again, sometimes we get going so fast that we don't realize, oh, I've dealt with someone dying or a job loss or a house change 
or something with my friendships? Yeah, what are the losses of this last year that need to be grieved and released to God? Question number four. What truth about God most deeply resonated with you this year? Like what part of his person or character was meaningful to you? Again, there's so many things about God. Maybe there's something in particular, a theme, a piece of who he is that you experienced in some capacity this year.
Good job. Only a couple more. Question number five. What practices most help you cultivate intimacy with God this past year? Again, there's a variety of ways that we connect with God. But what are the things that you did to help foster that this last year that were really good? And maybe it's reading your Bible, maybe it's prayer, maybe it's silence, maybe it's walking in nature, maybe it's coming to church, maybe it's serving, maybe it's gardening. Uh, What are the things that you did this last year that connected you with, with God? Next question, what support or self-care do you need relationally in the coming season? Sometimes we have a hard time asking for help or knowing that we need help. 
as you kind of look at where your life is right now, like what, what do you need relationally, either self-care, support, maybe it's going to see a counselor, maybe it's meeting regularly with somebody, maybe it's talking with someone who's a little older than you are, younger than you are, maybe it's find some friends, yeah, what's, what's self-care or support look like? All right, this one and one more. We're almost there. Number seven. What is God's invitation to press into this year? Another way of maybe putting it is, is what, maybe is there a word or a phrase from God to help guide your next year? What's, is there an invitation? And maybe it's something to study or learn or read or heal or create or explore or receive. What's God's invitation for you? 
this year. And I realize that should say 2024, if that's tripping you off. It's like writing the wrong year on a check, right? Last question. You got this. Who specifically is God inviting you to love this year? So yes, love the world. Yes, love your enemies. But who? Maybe a name. Maybe a particular group of people who may God be calling you to love this year in a particular way.
All right. Congratulations. You just did 24 minutes of pondering and treasuring, which for some may have felt like 24 minutes of CrossFit. <clears throat> so if that was really hard for you, thank you for, for taking the time to do that. Some of you that are like, man, I just took me three minutes to get my mind quiet enough to begin to engage that. So here's what I want you to do. Take those questions over the next week, some time when you are alone, go for a walk, sit down, further engage those questions. The other thing that I would encourage you to do are the things that you did write down, share them with at least one other person. A friend, a spouse, a kid, a coworker. Hey, come here. That's what I did at church. Um, but our, our spiritual transformation doesn't happen when we just think about things, but when we actually process and engage what's going on inside of us too. So I encourage you to share that. If you want to sit, now you have table conversation over dinner for the next few nights, okay? Um, but I hope that was a gift to you to take stock, to see what God may be up to and what he may be inviting you into for the year to come. Like I said, when we first started this morning, we are a, a community of disciples who said yes to follow Jesus. We've, we've asked him to form us and shape us into his image for the sake of the world. We're really serious in our church about cultivating intimacy with God, with others, for others. So we don't wanna just talk about this stuff or think about this stuff and work it into our actual lives too. So thank you for doing that today. Let me pray. I'm gonna to invite Tom to come back up. We're gonna sing a few songs and take communion as we close today. But I'm gonna pray that the Lord would take these things and continue to speak to your heart. Oh God, thank you for some time this morning to be still. And God, like Mary did many years before, she was able to treasure and ponder the stuff that was happening around here. God, I pray that we would be the kind of church, the kind of community that could pay attention to you, that would hear your voice, Jesus, as you promised us to, and to move from just thinking about you or knowing about you intellectually into being people that wholeheartedly offer ourselves to you. So God, I pray for my, my friends, my brothers and sisters. I pray as we stand on the top of a new year for all the things that you have in store for us individually and as a community. God, this past year as a church, you have done a ton. You've changed us. You've grown us. You've added to our number. God, I pray this next year would be more of the same that we would come to know you more and follow you and express your love and grace to those who do not yet know. So thank you for this time. Thank you for Jesus, our hope. May we continually be listening and responding and holding on to the things that you say and do each and every day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.